and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is a spoiler-free podcast. So whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thank you for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 6, episode 16, Hell's Bells. Well, Hell's Bells, Stephanie Chow. What an episode. I mean, this is another iconic episode for Buffy, right? Anybody who's watched the show before remembers this episode. It's the wedding episode. Oh, yeah. It stands out. And I like this episode i say that like so like i've got like weird feelings about liking it but it's mostly because i actually always love a wedding episode in a show it's always fun well i am curious you know i'm assuming you you last watched this episode pre-wedding and now you're post-wedding yes so i would love to hear about how maybe some of your thoughts on this episode have evolved now that you've actually been through a wedding yourself it's more like it's nostalgic but it's also more like just appreciation for that feeling around wedding day the the chaos uh the aggravation but also the joy which we're gonna go through as we you know dive in yeah just there's gonna be a lot of discussion about wedding culture around in this episode i think uh you both of our experiences with wedding culture i came out of this episode not as angry as I thought I was gonna be, you know? Like, I think that's why I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thrown a little bit. I expected to come in with rage, but I came out just <laughs> being like, oh man, like, this, this is just, it was fun until it wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. And also, like, Spike, I didn't mind him in this episode. He wasn't in it very much, but I was surprised with how I was, like, feeling for Spike in this episode a little bit. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure how I felt about Spike. I will make up my mind when we get there and we talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have a different name for this episode? Uh, I would have just called this a very special day. Just very um, in your face that way. I would have called it either drunk in love or um, instead of doomed, groomed. (laughs) All right. Let's get into it. We have... A thunder cracking in the background. It's a rainy, rainy day. Willow Willow and Buffy are staring straight ahead. Willow is saying, Buffy, it's hideous. Oh my God, Buffy, look at its arms. And Buffy says, I know, but it's my duty. I'm Buffy the bridesmaid. And we pull back and we see that the girls are in Buffy's room. And they're looking in the mirror at their bridesmaid dresses that they're wearing. And they are indeed horrible. (laughs) They're like like a, a like a very like rich colored green. I think it's supposed to be an emerald green. It's supposed to be jewel tone. Okay, okay. Uh, which yeah. does not look good for either red-haired Allison Hannigan or, you know, Sarah Michelle Geller with her skin tone. It's just like Ugh, they're, they're roughly uh Willows particularly has these sleeves that are like atrocious. <laughs> like they look like mermaid like 
<laughs> layers. Uh, it, it's not good. Um, their hair looks nice, though. Willow says, duty schmooty, I'm supposed to be best man. Shouldn't I be all Marlene Dietrichy in a, in a design tuxedo number? And Bobby says, no, because that would be totally unfair. We must share equally in the cosmic joke that is bridesmaids dumb. So, Kara, you've been a bridesmaid. I've been a bridesmaid. I haven't had to wear a hideous dress. I wonder if that is a trend going out of style, like just to have these like really cookie cutter prom like bridesmaid dresses. Nowadays, the trend is either let the girls wear what they want to wear, but you're in matching palette or at least the same color and they can pick their own style or at least the dresses are, are toned down, right? They're more like evening wear as opposed to like outrageous, like the, like what the girls are wearing here. Right. So I've been in two bridal parties. Um, One of them, there wasn't really like a set dress code. It was a very small wedding. Uh, The other one I was in, yeah, it was like there was a color theme and it it was actually green. The bride wore blue, which was a really nice change from white. Um, Beautiful blue dress. And then uh, both the the bridal parties and the groom's party uh, wore like hints of green or green dresses. And I hadn't come out at that point, so I, I was wearing a, a suit with a, a, a green bow tie, um, like a tuxedo with a green bow tie. But the they were nice green dresses. They weren't like these ones. That's all, yeah. I, that's all I can say. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think, like, back in the day, you see these, like, typical bridesmaid dresses that are always, like, heinous. But um, nowadays, I think it's a lot... Like, I, don't you want your bridesmaids to be dressed in something nice? Like, matching, sure, but well, something I, nice. I, I mean, we'll talk about Anya's wedding dress when we get there. But, like, I think part of this is the joke is that Anya does not have taste. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, that that is the duty of the bridesmaid, though. It's like you might have an opinion at one point, but eventually you just got to get on the train or get off the track, you know? So uh, they're wearing these dresses. And Willow is saying, maybe if I ask Anya, I can still go with the traditional blood larvae and burlap. <laughs> She's like, she was a vegetarian for 1,000 years. She must know all of all the most flattering larvae. And then she's like, oh, what was she thinking? And Buffy says she's probably too stressed to be thinking right now with Xander's relatives and, and her demons. And Willow says, last night at the rehearsal dinner, that was like a zoo without the table manners. And I bet it got worse after we left. And Buffy says, I can't believe everyone bought that story about Anya's people being circus folk. So I remember a few episodes ago, we were saying, like, what does Anya tell people about the demons and Mm -hmm. circus folk? Uh, Buffy says, see the guy with the tentacles? What's he supposed to be? Inky the squid boy? (laughs) Willow says, she hasn't seen Xander's family that bad since her bad mitzvah. Did you see how much they drank? And Buffy says that Mr. Harris threw up in her purse. (laughs) Anya comes around the corner and she's got her bathrobe on and she's like, oh, you guys look so beautiful. And she like goes to hug them and she's like, this is the happiest day of my life thunderclap and the girls just look at each other hey if anya's happy that's what matters right rule number one when you're a bridesmaid it is the bride's day whatever makes her happy okay steph but pause on that don't you feel like people aren't paying enough attention to dawn (laughs) what's dawn feeling about this no wonder she's not even in this scene she's pissed (laughs) that they even are thinking of celebrating somebody else other than her they just keep leaving her to go to anya's (laughs) wedding and get ready for the wedding like how selfish are all of these people seriously i have such a thought later because clearly here's willow and buffy 
getting ready like they're ready like i don't know what time of day it is it surely must be like 7 a.m um they're ready to go and anya's not even hair makeup or dress yet and where are the other three bridesmaids that i count dawn halfrek and tara like did they all get ready separately i'm confused (laughs) so Xander is at his apartment looking for his cufflinks. His uncle Rory is standing open-robed in the kitchen. And he's saying, um, what you really need is Velcro, like instead of cufflinks. Because he invented it, apparently. (laughs) There's a woman pouring cereal for a child at the counter. There's another guy um, that looks like he has got burns all over his face. Like he's clearly one of the demons. Uh, He's coming into the kitchen and Uncle Rory is trying to make coffee. And he pretends to get electrocuted, which sends Xander into a panic. Uh, (laughs) The guy with the face burns he offers to fix the coffee machine and uncle rory calls him kevin and he says no my name's croven and xander's mom and dad come in and they're all dressed up they're ready for the wedding because again it must be the morning like i don't know what time the ceremony's at but um usually you know wedding days usually begin very very early so we have not seen xander's parents before this is very interesting and uh, i will say later on in my notes um I have a rant about it, but it's very unfortunate that we haven't got to meet them until almost the end of the sixth season. Mm-hmm. We've we've obviously learned about them. We've heard his mom's voice. We've seen his dad in uh, a dream sequence and restless. But like this is the first time we're actually seeing them. His dad is saying, Xander, you're not ready yet. And his mom is worried about her hair. But then she says, it doesn't matter because she won't actually be in any of the pictures. And Xander says, you'll be in the pictures, mom. And Xander offers breakfast to his mom. And his mom says, oh, well, I guess if I'm a little plump, um, it won't matter because I won't really be. And Xander's like, you'll be in the pictures, mom. And this made me laugh because like I think they're playing on that age old tradition of the mother of the groom slash the mother of the bride driving everybody insane <laughs> with their antics on the day again they're pulling dons these women they always got to make the day about them in some way so clearly xander's mom is feeling either left out of the wedding planning which can very often happen or feels like she's not she doesn't matter enough that she's not even going to be in the pictures even though her son is saying yes you will <laughs> like it's fine <laughs> Xander's dad says you're one of hers right and Crovin says we met last night you said I resembled your mother-in-law and then you hit me with a cocktail wiener and then you insulted my heritage so Xander's dad is, says being circus folk is suddenly a heritage now I mean no disrespect of course I'm sure you come from a long proud line of geeks and he's like I'm kidding so the other woman who turns out to be his cousin, who I think her name is Carol, uh, she pulls Xander aside and asks about Crovin. Uh, well, she calls him Kevin. <laughs> and she says, um, if he clears up his skin problem, do you do you think, do you suppose he'd date a woman like with a kid? I can't afford to be very pick, picky. And Xander's like, your earrings are my cufflinks. <laughs> She's like, oops, and she takes them out. Xander's like, okay, excellent, cufflinks, check, we're rolling. Now nothing on earth can stop this wedding now. I do like... How she, like, found the cufflinks and was like, oh, these must be my earrings. (laughs) Which is, like, Xander's family gives me a lot of anxiety because, like, you know that there are family members out there that would do that. Mm -hmm. So we cut to this old man who is just, like, appears on the streets of Sunnydale in the middle of the storm and he starts walking with a purpose. Ooh. Cut to credits. 
Buffy is helping Xander put on his cummerbund, uh, which is not fitting properly. And Xander's kind of freaking out about it. Buffy manages to get it on because she says she has slayer strength. And she helps him with his tie. And she's like, look at you. You look great, Mr. About to get married. You're glowing. And my first thought here, Kara, was Willow said earlier that she is the best man. Where is she? Why isn't she helping well, we're, yeah, we're we're gonna find out in a moment. And I, I had the same thought. I'm like, Willow spends more time with Anya in this episode than she does Xander. Not even Anya. She spends more time with Tara, like trying to hit up on Tara. <sighs> Is that not what weddings are for? They they are, but not when you're in the wedding party. That comes later after dinner when your job is done. Hook up all you oh, want, right? Okay. And I'm just gonna say it right now. I think a part of what happens in this episode, a part of what happens with Xander particularly is Willow's fault. <laughs> Ooh, okay, I can't wait to talk about it. So Willow's nowhere to be found. What else is going on here? So Buffy says, maybe maybe you're pregnant because she said he was glowing. Xander says, maybe I'm just happy. Buffy gets teary-eyed at that. And she's like, this is good, Teary. Happy for you makes me happy for me. You and Anya give me hope. You two are proof that there's light at the end of this very long, long, nasty tunnel. <laughs> and she's like, she can't tie the tie. Where is your best man? Exactly. Where is the best man? Xander says she had something important to do. <laughs> That's such a burn. Because what is Willow doing? She is flirting with Tara while they help Anya do up her dress. So again, Willow, your job is to help Xander get ready as the best man. I don't know why you and Buffy swapped, but whatever. Anya's hair is still in curlers and she's wearing her ice mask. So she clearly hasn't done her face, her makeup yet. She really should have before she put her dress on, but whatever. Anya's practicing her vows and her vows go as such. I, Anya, promise to love you, to cherish you, to honor you, but not obey you, of course, because that's anachronistic and misogynistic. And who do you think you are? A sea captain or something? <laughs> I love that. She says, however, I do entrust you. And Will and Tara are giggling at that, right? As they should, because it's funny. It, it was so fascinating back in the day before ChatGPT wrote all of our wedding vows. <laughs> exactly. And don't tell anyone that's what I did. So... Anya continues on and she says, I entrust you with my heart. Take care of my heart. Won't you please take care of it because it's all that I have. And if you let me, I'll take care of your heart too. I'll protect it and tend to it like a little stray. No, wait, like a little mangy stray that needs a home. <laughs> These are the best. Uh, Tara says, we're all set here and let's take a look at you. So they step back and they're, they are in awe, right? They're like, wow, you look so lovely, like really lovely. And Anya says, uh, thanks. It's probably the, bl the blush of imprudent spending. <laughs> what do we think about this dress, Steph? I honestly, I don't mind it. I thought it was going to be a lot worse just based on everything else that's going on oh, with this wedding. That's faint praise. I like the silhouette. I like the way it hugs her figure. Um, you like I think the mermaid the, style? Yeah. Yeah, the strapless was definitely a good choice for her. I'm not a fan of that whatever that is the bobbles or the patterning that's all over the yeah dress, it's it's got like a lot of embellishment right there's lots of beading yeah. like materials coming off of it like almost makes it look very ethereal um it's clearly a look i what i'm surprised about it is that it looks a lot more modern to me than a dress of that time out of its time yeah and and again i like i i think it looks great on her i agree with you that her the strapless look looked really nice 
I'm not usually a fan of strapless wedding dresses. I think you need a very specific type of figure to pull them off. And she has that figure, right? She's very tiny. So the mermaid look also looks nice on her. But in general, like, I, I hey, I went wedding dress shopping, right? And when you get up close to these dresses, they're actually quite hideous. Like <laughs> The type of materials they often choose. Oh, yes. Choose. I have been inside bridal stores, and I agree with you. Yeah. So can we take a moment and rate Tara's dress? Because we, we rated Tara's outfit at a funeral last season. Uh, I feel like we should rate Tara's outfit at this wedding. We can rate a lot of the outfits at this wedding. Um, Tara, because she's wearing a bridesmaid dress, it's a zero out of ten. These are awful bridesmaid dresses. So, but it's not her fault. It's not. That's what I'm saying. It's not really. It's not really for us to rate her. We can rate Anya's choice as a bride in choosing them. Sorry, Anya, that's a zero out of ten. I give her dress a seven out of ten because I was surprised with the choice that she made. That's fair. Yeah. What do we think about Xander's tux? It's basic. I, I so rarely <laughs> notice any tuxes, you know? Also fair. <laughs> yeah, so Anya is saying that, uh, do you think Xander will like it? Oh, I want to see Xander now. And Willow's saying, you can't. It's bad luck for the groom to see the bride in her dress, remember? And Anya's like, oh, right. I can't keep all these ridiculous traditions straight. What if I'm not wearing my dress? Okay, no dress. Cuddling. I'm just so excited. And I want to share it with my best friend. And I get to be with my best friend forever. Yay! Aww. So she's really excited. So this is the joy, right? This is the joy of the wedding day. You are really excited. You have your girls there pumping you up, saying you look beautiful. It's a good vibe. The guests are arriving, all right? And where are they? They're at the Sunnydale Bison Lodge. And Dawn is also wearing a bridesmaid dress. We see her helping out up front. So at first, like I said, why isn't she getting ready with the girls? Mind you, we don't know. She could have been at the house, just not in that scene, right? But I this actually made sense to me because, well... It's hard because it's a, it seems like what they're doing is they're mashing the ceremony and the reception all in one, uh, one go, one pop at the Bison Lodge, where usually, you know, you, you could have your ceremony first, then you go out for pictures and everyone kind of congregates at the reception later, and then you meet everybody there, you know, um, sounds like everything's happening right now. So it does make sense for one of the bridesmaids to be up front receiving people and getting the gifts and keeping things organized up front there but again usually all the bridesmaids are together helping the bride on the day of right so anyway it's, it's just about timing it's whatever you want uncle rory is talking to don while he's holding hostage this little waitress that works at the lodge we see there's a bison head with a veil on it. <laughs> I think it was an attempt to make it look more appropriate for a wedding, right? Not just like this big giant bison head. Oh, look who's here. Dahofren. He approaches Don. He's holding a gift and he says, Hyman's greetings. And like when I first heard that, I laughed so loud. And then he's like, Hyman, the god of matrimony, his salutations upon you. May the love we celebrate today avoid an almost inevitable decline. <laughs> so Don says, cool <laughs> so Halfrick is here she comes up behind de Hoffren and she is also wearing a bridesmaid dress so again like she has nothing to do with getting ready i guess she says oh call me hallie we're practically family now excuse me did you not just try to trap us all for eternity in my house like two weeks ago <laughs> let bygones be bygones um don is giving her the cold shoulder right so she offers to take uh the gift from de Hoffren and put it on the table for him and he says careful it's squirmy as, as a tentacle kind of pokes out of it and this is interesting too because i think back in the day it was Maybe not even, maybe they still do, where people bring gifts to the wedding, right? Like nowadays, it's usually checks, right? It's like an envelope with a check in it and you get a little box and you put what it in there. What are checks, Steph? 
or yeah or you can e-transfer now even right oh my god um no i no i agree with you wedding gifts are definitely changing i think there's also a lot of registries these days right where you just kind of like buy what they want you to buy which i personally prefer you know i'm not gonna buy somebody a toaster they don't want i personally if it's somebody i know well i usually make them uh, like I knit them like a blanket or something as a wedding gift. Mm-hmm. Steph says, being like, where's my wedding gift? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I miss it? It was a good loss in the mail, Cara. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and I think it's it's custom too to just give money because you're also expected nowadays, like this part of wedding culture, right, is to pay basically for your meal if you are there in person. I don't know when that changed. I don't maybe that was always the case and that's what the gift covered, but nowadays it's basically money. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so like you want to cover your plate, so like at a typical like mid-range wedding, your plate's at least 100 bucks, right? That's how much it is to serve you dinner with all the drinks, so that's what you would give. And you can give more or less depending on how close you are to the couple, whether or not you brought a date, right? There's lots of wedding etiquette rules that um can really boggle your mind but i've been to i think god i would say like 40 weddings so <laughs> at this point i've gone uh, down to I, a tea. I can still count the number of weddings i've been to on one hand <laughs> yeah there was a once once i partnered up there was quite a couple friends and family members to get through over the last decade so Hal Freck walks away with Dawn. She's like, how's everything going good? Nothing you wish was different. <laughs> and Dahoffrin says, Hallie, for God's sakes, take a day off. We're not here to do vengeance. We're here to mingle. And Dawn notices Spike coming in with his arm around a woman. And can I just say that this woman reminded me so much of a young, rebellious Joyce from <sighs> Band Candy. And Spike <laughs> is being so obvious here. Um, speaking of inappropriate outfits at funerals slash weddings this girl who i don't think we get her name she is wearing an an appropriate outfit to a wedding yes but again i don't think spike gave her much warning he's just like come with me (laughs) i think he picked her up on the way to the wedding i agree um and like again i said i like spike in this episode and i'll tell you why later but this is typical. <laughs> this is pretty typical. So Spike immediately says, Dawn, I want you to meet my date. And the date just ignores Dawn's hand that she offers. And Spike says, that's my date. She's with me. My date for the wedding. And Dawn's like, okay, well, nice meeting you. And she leaves. <laughs> okay. I made fun of Dawn earlier in the episode when she wasn't around to defend herself. Poor Dawn. Like, remember, Dawn is young here. She's like 15. And she's having to put up with a lot right now. She shouldn't even be here. She should be helping Anya get beautiful. I think she's handling this great. Like, right when she was like, also, cool. Also, I think Dawn's <laughs> wedding dress is the best out of all of them. I thought her and Buffy's were the same. Bridesmaid dress. Maybe. I mean, she I and Buffy both look pretty good. I like Dawn's hair. She kept it simple. She she looks okay in that dress. Like Maybe it's, it's good for her skin tone, but it's just not the others, you know? Like... I'm not saying that color green can't work. I'm saying this particular dress is ugly, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Xander's mom, Uncle Rory, and Cousin Carol are talking to Clem and another demon with this face that's like got like tentacles on it, almost like his beard is made of tentacles. And um, Uncle Rory suggests that they're all in some sort of circus cult. Clem says, well, there are ancient ways, right? Clowning as an occupation and ancient sports. I really like how <laughs> Clem is leaning into... The whole like, oh, yeah, I have to pretend to be circus folk for the normies. Like, Clem's a good egg. Yeah, 
I mean, it's, that's what, again, when it comes to a wedding, like you just, everyone wants, should want to be on their best behavior. Uncle Rory says, if you expect Xander to bring up his kids in some sort of foreign speaky, bow to the Easty kind of cult. That's, that's Islamophobia right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the demon says, you think the children should be raised in ignorance of our ways? And Xander's cousin says, no, the Harrises are very broad minded. We're Episcopalians. You notice how it's always the people saying that they're broad minded who aren't actually broad minded? Oh, Xander's family would 100% be Trump supporters. No. Oh, I agree. <laughs> this makes me laugh because, um, again, it's so typical. You get your family together. In this case, it's going to be a mixed race family in, in that Anya's coming from a demon background and Xander is not. Right, but Anya's not a demon anymore. And she's like really white, right? Yeah, yeah. Like technically she's European. Yeah, yeah, but her family is demons is what the, that's the joke, I mean, joke, she is right? an illegal immigrant as we established last <laughs> season. But that, that's the joke here too, because like me coming from a mixed family, right? The, the whole, how are you going to raise your kids if you're not in our culture? Mm -hmm. Like that's the discussion that they're having here. And it's no one's business except for the parents of the, you know, future children. But um, it is very typical of families to get together to be like, what's the traditions that are going to stick when you start mixing families and backgrounds this way hopefully not anymore hopefully this stuff is going out the drain since everybody is going to be beige in the future <laughs> everyone's going to be a little mixed kids like me but i i can only imagine the conversations that were happened around the time when my parents were getting married so uh xander's dad is getting wasted at the bar and the old man from the beginning of the scene is, of the episode is wandering through the crowd in the back area xander asks buffy how he looks and buffy says like you look like you're ready to get married. You're one of the decent ones, Xander. What? And she's, you know, fixing his, his tie and his coat and stuff. And she says, I hope I'm as lucky as you guys one day. <laughs> so Buffy has just given Xander quite a high compliment. That's high praise. Yeah. Well, yeah. One That's... of the good ones. Wow. What does Xander fucking mm. Harris do? Mm. He opens his mouth and his first instinct is to say, you want to get lucky? I still got 15 to 20 minutes. Xander. We're trying so hard, Xander. Xander, we're trying our best. Of course you said that, right? Like, of course. Yeah. I mean, we're not surprised. And Buffy's not surprised either. She smiles. And I don't know if it's the smile of like, oh, Xander, or the smile of like, well, Xander, you still managed to make me uncomfortable, but I'm just going to smile because I got to put up with it because it's your special day. All of it. So she smiles. She hugs him. And then she says, all right, into the breach with you. And Sandra says, breach me, which, all right. So they walk towards the main hall um, and they go over the list for because Buffy has duties as a member of the, the wedding party. Number one, don't let your dad near the bar. Number two, don't let your mom near the bar. So Buffy has failed on both of these. <laughs> Uh, counts Should have given those to Don, really. Yeah, Don's really pulling her weight here. I, I'm, I'm enjoying that. Yeah. Speaking of Don, she catches up to them and she says, "Hey, Buffy, Spike's here, and he brought a total skank, <gasps> a manic panic freak, uh, who's totally macking with, uh, macking with him right in the middle of the room." Don, you don't know if she's a skank or not. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, there's a little bit of you know women tearing women down here, but I actually liked this scene because. You know, previously, Buffy and Don were on some shaky ground, you know, with the way that Buffy was handling things at home. 
And I like in this scene how Buffy, uh, how Dawn is closing ranks with Buffy when it comes to Spike. Clearly, Buffy has not told Dawn everything that has gone on between her and Spike, but you can tell just from this interaction that Dawn understands that Spike, you know, something happened between Buffy and Spike, but it's over and Dawn is sticking up for her sister with these comments. And I do appreciate that sentiment. But Dawn doesn't know about Buffy and Spike yet. I don't think that she knows that they were having sex. I agree. But I think that she knows that something was going on and that that has changed. Does that make sense? Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't don't know if I agree. Dawn's not dumb. She sees things, right? She sees the way Spike acts. I, I think I think she's telling her because it's it's hot gossip. It's hot goss. Right. But I don't think Dawn's clued in to Buffy and Spike at all. Just like everybody else hasn't. I don't know. I feel I feel like fifteen year old hormonal Dawn living in the Summers house has seen some things. For Dawn to assume that would mean Dawn is thinking of someone other than herself, and she she just can't. Well, I can't <laughs> argue with that point. <laughs> so Buffy says Spike brought a date. And Don says, yeah, wait till you see her. Uh, Xander leaves to go meet and greet. Uh, he takes a breath and then he enters the loud room. And immediately people start congratulating him. How dare they? Shaking his hand. Oh, the nerve. Uh, his mom is complaining that an usher sat them in the third row, Steph. The third row. What usher? Xander doesn't have any other friends. Windows is only only person in his party. There's a lot of people at this wedding. Then that old man we keep seeing, whom we've never seen before in this show, uh, is there. And he's trying to get Xander's attention. Everyone is talking over each other. The old man yanks him away and says, please listen to me. You can't get married today. It's a huge mistake. And Xander's like, yeah, right. Thanks for the advice, uncle. And the man's like, don't you recognize me? It sounds crazy, I know, but you have to believe me. I'm Xander Harris. I'm you. I am you from the future. And Zander's like, oh, from the future. For a minute, I thought you were a nutball. But now that I know you're from the future. (laughs) And the man grabs Zander's like, I found my way back to warn you, to tell you. Um, But Zander's dad is is shouting, toast, a toast to the Harris clan. Not to the bride and groom, Mm -hmm. to the Harris family. Mm -hmm. And the old man is saying, I can prove it to you. And he pulls out a glowy orb. I call it the Orb of Thessala because clearly it's got angel soul in well, it. Like, that's what it looks you, like. <laughs> to us, Normie Steph, one orb is much like another, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure if you were there, the vibe would be way different. Oh, absolutely. So Xander decides, yeah, I'm just going to follow this crazy guy with the glowing orb. Why not? It's better than where I'm standing right now. Which, fair. Mm-hmm. Um, Xander's dad is saying, to my wife, Jessica, what would I do without you? Well, for starters, I probably wouldn't need to drink so much, would I? Mm. On the brighter side, marriage has probably saved me from a healthy dose of the clap. Oh, Uh, wedding speeches. Classic, classic, classic. They either go really well or just terrible, as this one is. (laughs) And then Clem and the other demon there are starting to get him really annoyed with Xander's dad. And Xander's dad says, another toast to the dermatologically challenged family shrub. Uh, And the demon says, sit down. Xander's dad says, I paid for all this. You want me to sit down? You cough up a couple of grand, squidly. And the demon says, what did you call me, you drunk piece of? Buffy interposes herself and says, Mazel tov. 
and pulls Xander's dad away. Buffy is so good here. This is Buffy fulfilling her bridesmaid duties, stepping up mm-hmm. and intervening. Uh, so she pulls Xander's dad away and she's saying, you must be so happy for Xander on his very special once in a lifetime day, aren't you, Mr. Harris? And then Xander's dad says to Buffy, whom I assume that she has met Xander's parents before. We don't actually know. Well, she's, she's met them at least at the wedding dinner, but I don't know if they've met previously. Um, he says, nice chassis. What's under the hood? Uh, Buffy says, how about a cup of coffee? And he asks, did you have a little square pinkish purse? And Buffy says, I did. That was the purse that he threw up in the other night. Mm. They walk by Spike and his date. Uh, Spike is, of course, watching Buffy because he is completely, totally over her, I'm sure. Of course. Uh, Mr. Harris suggests slipping into the back room to show her something trailing off. And Buffy says, you finish that sentence and I guarantee you won't have anything to show me. (laughs) Okay. So we've now watched Xander's uncle Rory sexually harass the waitress. We've now watched his father sexually harass Buffy. Xander comes from a long line of dysfunctional men who sexually harass women. So all of a sudden, I'm getting a clearer picture of Xander, right? And why he is always sexually harassing his friends. And it's just such a shame that we're getting this type of character development in season six. And I said this back in Restless in season four. Why did it take four seasons for us to understand the depth of Xander's insecurity about his family? And here we are two seasons later. Same thing. I agree. I mean, this show has never been great when it comes to family stuff. Joyce, of course, being the obvious exception. But look at what the show has done with Hank fucking Summers. You know, look what what it's done with Willow's mom. And dad, whom we've never met, but dad. (laughs) You know, the parents in this show, aside from Joyce, have only ever really been there in very narrow ways when the, the episode is called for it. I am very sympathetic to people who defend Xander because of his upbringing, because of his working class roots. Uh, And because of the obvious trauma he must have from living in a negligent and abusive household. Uh, And we're, yeah, we're definitely seeing more of that here than we ever have before. That being said, right, Xander's upbringing might explain some of his behavior, but it doesn't excuse it, which is something that we have to be careful about when we're critiquing somebody like Xander. You know, Xander clearly is trying to be a better man than his father, and I will definitely give him points for that. I think I said this earlier in the season, now that Giles has left, Xander is the best man in Buffy's life. Um, You know, he's the best man on the show. (laughs) And we will continue to slander him. We will continue to hold him to the high standard I think we should hold all cis men to. But at the end of the day, right, like, he is, and, and I'm saying this because it's a special day. So I could give him a little bit of pass. He is making quite an attempt. Yeah. And I think that's the difference between him and his father is his father has stopped trying. Yes. Well said. And I, I think it's just overall, we have not been very sympathetic to Xander because he hasn't deserved it for the most part over the past couple seasons. But if we got a little bit more of a glimpse into of this back in season one or two, maybe things would have been a well, little bit different. Who knows? Well, and as I've said in the past on this show, my main problem with the show's treatment of Xander is the lack of consequences. Consequences. Right? It's, the show will position Xander as the clueless, sometimes toxically masculine figure. 
yet he never really is forced to confront those things about himself. Uh, and that really bothers me. Uh, whereas in this episode, right, Xander is kind of punished in a way, as, as we're going to see. And, and that's really sad. Um, and I, th I think an interesting conversation for you and I to have later on in this episode is, to what extent does Xander deserve what he gets here? Yeah, and in what ways are other people, namely Anya, forced to face consequences, like on top of the consequences that he faces, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so the old man has led Xander into another room, the trophy room, and says and shows him the ball of magic, <laughs> the, the Arbathestala, and says, it's magic, very powerful. Look at it. You see what I've seen, feel what I felt. So the ball glows and Xander gets like sucked into it like, like a pensive in Harry Potter. Cut to Xander on a couch in a living room uh, watching TV. He's shouting, Anya, a boy and a girl run in. The girl has like gremlin ears <laughs> and the boy is teasing her about it. Anya comes in behind them, says, what? Xander says, going out again. She says, I'm doing a makeover party. Xander says, I thought you hated those. She says, well, one of us has to make some money. And Xander says, I can't work. My back's shot. And Anya says, well, whose fault is that? And Xander's like, oh, no, 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 not the Buffy thing again. And Anya says, you had no business fighting demons with her. Xander says, Buffy needed me. I, ne I had to help. And Anya says, well, it didn't save her, did it? All it did was ruin our lives. So Xander's drinking a beer as Anya leaves. And then he shouts, I hope you crash in your stupid pink car. So we, we shoot to another scene The Xander, Anya, and the kids are eating at a restaurant and the girl is saying how much she hates this place because she doesn't eat meat. And her brother is saying, you don't eat anything, freak. And she says, dad, make him cut it. And Xander says, maybe you should talk to your mother about that. Anya looks at him and says, you've had too much wine. Xander says, have I? I'm just saying, maybe you should talk to your daughter. And the girl says, I know you're not my real dad and I hate you. I hate you both. I wish you'd die. It's awesome. She leaves. Xander drinks. The last scene that we see is Anya and Xander. They're old as fuck now. They're old people. Okay, well, Xander hasn't changed oh, yeah, throughout all this. He's still current, like present day young Xander in a tux. Anya has been aging throughout all of this, which I think is an interesting choice of how they represented this. Yeah, that she's changing. She's no longer her her attractive self, as they talk about in this scene. She no longer has that tight embrace. Which is the whole point of marrying her. Um, they're in a messy kitchen, and like, there's like a... Is it a broken dishwasher? I don't know. I couldn't figure out why that... It's in the it, middle of the room. Yeah, yeah. Why? I was confused. Anyway, Xander is saying, if you were so unhappy, why didn't you just leave? Anya says, I wanted to. I should have. Xander says, you should. Then maybe I wouldn't ha I would have gotten some touch in the past 20 years. Ugh. Anya says, I wasn't the one who stopped touching. Xander says, maybe, but you weren't touching me. And Anya says, you wouldn't come near me after Buffy. And Xander says, don't bring her into this. Anya says, maybe you were just born to be a bitter, angry old man. And Xander says, shut up. She says, no, I want my life back. If I hadn't married you, I wouldn't have had to hate myself for the last 30 years. Xander picks up a frying pan and he says, shut up. And he runs at her, but we cut away. Xander gets shot out of the orb. And the old man is like, I'm so sorry. I didn't want to show you the gl this glimpse of your future. And Xander is like, is she okay? What did I do? And the old man says, I don't have long hair. The spell that brought me back won't last, but you can change things. It doesn't have to go like this, but you can't marry Anya. You'll hurt her less today than you will later. Believe me. Sometimes two people, all they bring each other is 
pain. Ooh, okay. So can we talk about how Buffy seems to be the center of Anya and Xander's future problems, if these are indeed their future problems? Are we supposed to believe that Xander is still not entirely over Buffy yet? She's like the one that got away that she happens to be like the key that's in not, her, his no, marital that, That's fighting. not how I read it, Steph. But I agree with you that Buffy is the center of these visions. So so I the way I interpreted it was Xander being part of the Scoobies and continuing to fight evil with Buffy led to him being, you know, somewhat disabled. We see that in that first scene where he, he can't work anymore because he's thrown his back out fighting demons. And then in that last scene, when she says, after Buffy, I think the implication is that Buffy's dead at that point. Mm -hmm. Something has happened to Buffy, and it's now scarred Xander. And I think it's so fascinating that the lesson that Xander took from this is, I can't marry Anya because we'll be unhappy, and not, oh, I should marry Anya, and then we should relocate away from the Hellmouth and away from Buffy because me being mixed up with Buffy and fighting evil is going to cause problems for my relationship with this person who's supposed to be the most important person in my life, right? Well, we're going to learn just as the episode goes on that Xander is not even considering if, if this future is true to take what he's seen and change it for the better, like you just said. he does. It doesn't even occur to him. He's like, I can't even risk the fact that this might happen. Well, clearly, Steph, uh, Xander has spent a long time studying the theories of temporal mechanics. Uh, and he, he's subscribing to a, a block universe view of the multiverse, talking about Minkowski space-time here. Uh, everything is actually already predetermined and set. Uh, so there is no way to change this future so much as he must, you know, live out his destiny, even though he has foreknowledge of it. Mm. Yes. Yeah, he he, <laughs> ah. clear, he clearly understands all of that. And uh, it's it's very clearly telegraphed in later scenes. I'm surprised you didn't pick, pick up on well, that. Well, I mean, really, once he mastered <laughs> building shelves, he had to master something else. So if that's what he jumped into right after, good for him. Yeah, another reason why, though, I did think, like, is... Is this like little thing about Buffy still hanging out in Buffy in Xander's subconscious? He's just stopped being so obvious about it because earlier when he hit on her again, right? It might have been a joke, just like a casual Xander thing to say to Buffy, right? Like, let's go hook up. <laughs> but then they showed all like her being brought up again and again in the future and Anya having a problem with it. So I couldn't help but jump to that conclusion. So this is interesting. Let's see how, let's see how it plays out. Buffy is approaching Spike, who's standing alone now. And they're both super awkward because this is the first encounter after uh, you break up with somebody. Ooh, and um, he says, hello, Buffy. And she says, hey. He says, did you meet my friend? Buffy says, no, not yet. But she seems like a very nice attempt at making me jealous. And Spike says, is it working? Buffy considers this, right? And then she says, a little. It doesn't change anything. But if you're wildly curious, yeah, it hurts. Now, Kara, I think she's lying. I think she's sparing his feelings because she feels a little bit guilty with how everything went down. Not just with the breakup, but just like their whole uh, hookup scenario, right? Like she like, wasn't a good situation for either of them. So I, I do think when she says this, she's like, she knows what he wants to hear. So she says it just you know, because why not? Like, it's something that she can do. What do you think? I agree with you. I have a thought. Let's get a little further in the okay. scene here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Spike says, sorry, or um, 
good. <laughs> and she grins. And he says, you want us to go? And she says, no, you have every right to be here. I pretty much deserve it. And he says, that's not true. Does he? Does he have every right to be here? He's not friends with any of these people. He himself has said that multiple times in the past two years. He's not their friends. Why is Spike here? I have a feeling it's because Anya was making her invitations and in her mind, she's like, co-workers come to weddings, right? That's why the Hoffren is there. So she was literally like, well, we have to invite Spike because he patrols with us. <laughs> now, did she make out the invitation to Spike or to William the Bloody? <laughs> She was fancy. She did willing the bloody and nice cursive. Um, the question is, did she give Spike a plus one? Because he for sure brought one. <laughs> and that is, that is a wedding etiquette faux pas. Everybody, do not bring a plus one if you were not given one. Do not ask the bride and groom if you can bring a plus one if you were not given one. It's just tacky. Don't do it. So Spike... <laughs> Spike says, um, that's not true, right? That, that um, she deserves it. He says, God, this is hard. She says, yeah. He says, I think we'll go. Buffy says, go where? Your place? He says, yeah, I suppose. That was the idea. Evil. <laughs> and Buffy's like, of course. Spike says, but I won't. Or, or I'll just go. Give my best or whatever to the happy couple. And Buffy says she will. And then Spike says, it's nice to watch you be happy. For them, even. I don't see it a lot. You glow. And I was like, well, maybe, Spike, if you didn't keep trying to keep her in the dark so much, she would glow more, you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Spike has just spent like seven episodes trying to convince Buffy she is one of the dark creatures like him. <laughs> right? Um, then he's like, I have so oh. many. I have so many thoughts here, Steph. Yeah, I'm conflicted. Let's finish, finish the scene, and then I have. I have thoughts. <laughs> let's go off. Let's go off. But like, I also have nice things to say about him. Anyway, Buffy says that's because the dress is radioactive. Haha, <laughs> great joke. Uh, they laugh about that. As Buffy goes, Spike says, "But it hurts." She says, "Yeah." <laughs> Do you still like me? Yes, Joe. Maybe. Um, he says. <laughs> does it hurt she says yeah he says thanks and he goes buffy says you're welcome as he she watches him grab the girl who just like comes out of nowhere and they leave together so Kara, what are your thoughts okay firstly what is spike's obsession with women emitting light right first we have cecily being effulgent <laughs> You know, or I think his heart is effulgent because of Cecily, right? But, uh, you know, overwhelming. And then here, you know, it's like, oh, you're glowing. Also, there's something very interesting happening in this episode. The episode seems very concerned with whether or not Buffy is happy with Anya and Xander's special day. Mm -hmm. Because you remember... You know, earlier in the episode, she had the tears and she was very quick to say tears of joy. And the two of you give me hope. Uh, and then in a, a couple of scenes later, you know, she's reassuring Xander and she's like, I hope I'm as lucky as you two one day. And now here with Spike, you know, he's the one telling her that she's the one who's glowing. And he, he's like, oh, you're happy, you know, and it, it almost feels like the show is like trying like trying too hard or like Buffy's trying too hard to seem happy. Right. And I think that's very interesting. And I also think it's interesting that the show is quite conventionally positioning uh, this ideal of you will find your, you know, soulmate, you will find the one and you'll get married. And that is the path to actual happiness. 
and Buffy believes she can she can never have that and therefore she will have an unhappy life. And for a show that is normally so feminist and so subversive, for the show to reinforce the idea that that is the conventional, you know, that is the accepted standard of happiness and Buffy not having that is some kind of tragedy. I don't know if I like that. But the show has been saying that more or less this entire time, right? Buffy cannot be single and happy. Right? I agree. Like Buffy it is consistent. Is, when yeah. she's single, she there's something wrong with her. There's something going on mm-hmm. that is causing her not to, that, that is keeping her from the happiness that is a relationship. And then when she is in a relationship, it can't be happy for very long. But the point is that she's usually always in a relationship. Like season one to three, she was with Angel. And when she wasn't, she was with these Mitches, right? And then she was with Riley. And then after Riley, she jumps immediately into Spike, right? And to, in season six. So like she can never just be single and happy. So I, I'm not surprised that this is the heteronormative way and lifestyle that they're pushing with this wedding episode on Buffy as well. Do I think Buffy is happy? No, not yet. But I think when she tells Spike, it doesn't change anything seeing her with somebody. Like she still knows that she made the right choice in leaving him in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't make her automatically happy. It just means she's making choices that are going to put her on the path to happiness. I agree. And I agree with you that she's lying to Spike because hanging out with Spike and going to things like weddings with him was never on the the schedule for them, right? Like yeah. her her time with Spike was fucking his brains out, basically. <laughs> if yeah. I if I can, you know, put it nicely. Um it, they weren't a couple in any sense of the word. They no. were having sex. And so for Spike to show up with somebody at a wedding and be like, ha, huh, does this hurt you? Uh, if I were in Buffy shoes, I'd be like, no, <laughs> no, we never. You never took me anywhere nice like this. Like, yeah. If anything, it reinforces her decision to break up with him because clearly he's spending more time, more more effort on this rando than he did on Buffy. But again, Buffy only has committed relationships to compare too right because she's never done anything casual before so even in the last episode in older Susie, Bar- what about scott hope no she was committed <sighs> to that guy 100 percent. she was like angel i have a new boyfriend and remember he was like are you being safe and she was like with scott <laughs> that's fair <laughs> oh uh, my god going all the way back parker <laughs> fucking well yeah, Par- she wanted something more with parker too like she didn't sleep with him until she felt connected with him right so she's only used to these types of relationships Poor- can I say just poor Eddie from The Freshman? Oh, well, that and that was the beginning of a very beautiful romance. And even with Ben, right? Like, she could have had something with Ben, but she was like, nah, I'm not ready. But um, all this to say that she doesn't have anything casual to compare this to. So even in Older and Far Away, she remember, I was getting confused. I was like, why is she like... I'm not ready to come out with this relationship. How could I trust you with around my friends? She was starting to do that with him, right? She was, she couldn't separate the two. The guy that I'm fucking versus is he supposed to be my boyfriend? Right. She can't separate love and relationship with lust and oh, fucking. Man, we're, this is so deep. Like, this, this, there's so much going on here. I, I really That's why I really like the scene. And, and I'm going to tell you why I kind of like Spike in this scene because I think this is just so typical right like i i found <laughs> what he did i have to bring a date to this wedding because my ex is gonna be there and i i she dumped me i look like a loser so i have to bring a date to like try to make things a little bit more even in the breakup we talked about that in as you were right who wins the breakup buffy's winning the breakup because she dumped him for no one she was just like no more 
And him going out and finding some desperate young Joyce lookalike to bring to the wedding is actually quite hilarious to me. Like, I find that really funny. So, sorry. So, you're saying that you like Spike here because he's pathetic? Yes. Like, and this is the kind of Spike I like. Okay, I can get behind that. No, I've always liked Spike when he is, like, season four Spike, just the pathetic, struggling... trying his best to be cool he's so not cool right um so and i and i think that it it makes sense for him to come here and then because spike does have some weird obsession with buffy where like sometimes he can be caring right so for him to bring her here and then buffy tells him what he needs to hear which is yeah it hurts to see you with her which is such a lie but he buys it right away then he's like you know what i'm just gonna go like i got what i needed i'm gonna go Again, it's not he's not being a nice guy here. He did bring her here to hurt Buffy's feelings. But I just thought that was real. I was just like, yeah, so he's still a vampire. He's still an idiot. <laughs> so like, I, I just I, I was I think what I liked about him was that I was reminded of the spike that I liked from previous seasons, not the pervert he's been season five and six. Okay. Does that make sense? Oh, wait, that makes total sense. I mean, yeah. <laughs> simp spike is best spike yes i agree and like i i miss that spike i think that spike was hilarious all right so moving on from that very deep (laughs) very deep scene xander is in the kitchen having a think and willow finds him finally finally willow is like wait a second i have something to do in this wedding other than flirt with tara so she finds xander and says I'll say this for the Y chromosome. Looks good in a tux. And Xander says, well, your double X's don't look too bad either. Xander is sexually harassing everybody in his wedding party. <laughs> well, so is his family. So, like, <laughs> it's his special day, Carl. Let him. So Willow says, you're getting married, my little Xander. It's a good thing I realized I was gay. Otherwise, hey, you, me, and formal wear. Ugh, Willow, <laughs> The show don't. keeps bringing up season three Stop. for you, eh? Stop bringing up the affair. Ugh. So they hug. <laughs> Willow says, do you know how much I love you? He says, not half as much as I love you. Willow says, you ready for the long walk? He says, just give me a sec. I want to work on my vows. Lies. Uh, She says, take your time. It's not like we can start the wedding without you. And she goes, leaving Xander looking sketchy. So, joking aside, joiks aside, this is a really sweet moment between Xander and Willow because they have known each other since childhood, right? And in that position, if you can see your childhood friend getting married. It's, it is very emotional, right? And I really like that we got this scene in this episode. Another reason why Willow should have been with Xander this whole time and not Buffy. <laughs> Whatever. Anya is ready. She looks stunning. Again, like, I don't mind her dress. I think it's fine. Her hair is on Her point. hair looks amazing. Her makeup is really well done. She looks beautiful. She's practicing her vows in front of Tara, and she's saying, I promise to have sex with you whenever I want, and I pledge to be your friend, your wife, your confidant, and your sex poodle. And Tara's like, I'm not sure you should say sex poodle in your vows. And this is another, you know, wedding trope, right? Imp- inappropriate wedding vows, inappropriate speeches. And Amber Benson. <laughs> And Emma Caulfield must have had a fun time with this scene. Yes. They must have cracked up a few times reading this scene, um, especially poor Amber Benson having to say the line, I'm not sure you should say sex poodle in your vows. <laughs> How often in your life do you have to say that, really? Oh my gosh. And it would, Anya would. Anya would be the person who would want to mm-hmm. say sex poodle in her vows. It's awesome. Do I want to know what a sex poodle is? Do I know what a sex poodle is? I don't. Well, I think we'll just leave that 
Well, actually, I bet someone on Discord will come tell us. <laughs> you don't have to tell us. It's fine. Tell us. The wedding band is playing. The guests are all seated. Buffy is coming into Anya's room to tell him it's time. But Willow pulls her back. So she closes the door really quickly. And she says, Xander disappeared. And Buffy says, Xander's gone. What should we do? And Willow says, I'm going to go find him. You can stall. Okay. Okay. I agree with you about this being Willow's fault. Because I'm pretty sure one of the best man's duties is to make sure that the groom does not peace out. Absolutely. That's what I think. This is just only one circumstance of where Willow Like, keep your eyes on the groom at all times. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So, here's another thing that willow ruined the 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 roles should have been switched here okay this is a bad idea buffy is the worst liar on the show (laughs) i was gonna say that too so thank you very much for reminding us because that was my note as well (laughs) Um, it's been a while since we've had buffy having to lie about something this important but yes yeah. Um, as we have said repeatedly on this podcast, Buffy Summers, the worst liar. Thank yeah. you. She started off in season one, not so bad, and then it just got progressively worse. So to put her in the situation where she's got to lie on the spot is hilarious. Um, so Buffy should have went to go find Xander. She's faster and Willow should have stayed. Also, what do you feel about this? So so they're about to lie to Anya, right? Tell her a lie. How do you feel about lying to the bride about something like this? For me personally... I wouldn't lie to the bride about this. And that is because, uh, assuming if I'm a bridesmaid, this is my really close friend, my sister, somebody who I who I love very much. So if it were me, I would want my friend to be aware that the man that she is going to be tying her life to has r- either run off or is missing or is getting cold feet in some way. Well, well, we're assuming he's run off, but maybe he's been kidnapped, right? Maybe something evil <laughs> probable. happened. Probable. Very um, probable. I, I wouldn't tell Anya just yet. I'd want to find out what has happened to Xander first. Mm. Uh, if you can do that and ascertain the nature of his disappearance, then I'd tell Anya. Mm. So you just wait for a little bit more information before you just unload well, on Let's her. not jump to conclusions and freak her out you know, that Xander has run off when it turns out, oh, he's actually being eaten, you know? If only. Um, yeah, so that's another thing, though. Like, you don't have to lie and be like, what, what Buffy comes up with is hilarious. But you could just say, like, oh, we just can't find Xander and the ushers right now. So we're just, once they're here, we'll we'll get started, right? So Buffy goes into Anya's room and she says, there's going to be a bit of a delay. Anya's like, what's wrong? And Buffy says, it's the minister. He had to go perform an emergency C-section. He's not just a minister. He's also a doctor. He's a half minister, half doctor. He's a minotaur. Not, of course, to be confused with a minotaur. (laughs) He's all madness, doctor, minister man, no bull parts. And Buffy. Buffy, you have to stop talking. Buffy, this is awesome though. Just he's he's doing his music. Do you think if we let her keep going that she'd like come up with a whole life story for this minotaur? I love this for her. Um, and I love this because Anya literally stops listening and keeps looking at herself in the mirror, right? She's just like, okay, whatever. Uh, Buffy says, it's just going to be a couple more minutes. And she leaves. And Anya, sa- oh my God, this is so sad. Anya says, for the last time, 
And she says her vows one more time. And she's saying them as we see Xander walking through the rain away from the Bison Lodge. So Anya saying, I, Anya, want to marry you, Xander, because I love you and I'll always love you. And before I knew you, I was like a completely different person, not even a person, really. And I had seen what love can do to people. And it was hurt and sadness. Alone was better. And then suddenly there was you and you knew me. You saw me. And it was this thing. You made me feel warm and safe. So I get it now. I finally get love, Xander. I really do. Oh, oh, that's like a Meanwhile, the guests are getting restless. The little girl, uh, we're assuming this is like a cousin of Xander. Yeah, like a second cousin or something. Yeah. Uh, She says, I'm bored. Uh, And Carol says, it's a wedding, honey. We're all bored. (laughs) Buffy (laughs) emerges and starts walking down the aisle. So the band starts playing and Carol at this moment starts crying as Buffy walks by. (laughs) Buffy goes to talk to the Minotaur who has not left for his emergency (laughs) C-section, but is in fact standing right there. Um, uh, We don't really get his reaction or anything. He's just an extra. Uh, Xander's dad gets up. presumably going back to the bar. Anya is now pacing in the back room. She's starting to clue into something being wrong. She says, I'm sorry, but what the hell was that minister thinking? (laughs) Delivering a baby on my special day? I mean, it's totally rude of him. And the mother. Why couldn't he have just told her to hold it? (laughs) Oh, Anya, I love you. Don't ever change. I I love this also because it just, it really embodies the stereotypical bride bridezilla on her day right this is my special day and like everything's okay, okay, against okay but me. counterpoint anya has not actually been that much of a bridezilla you know uh most of her demands of people have been fairly reasonable are the dresses ugly yes but she hasn't like asked her brides to do like some of the crazy shit i've heard about from some wedding parties yeah Um, they didn't have a super expensive bachelorette party you know they didn't go away somewhere like um anya has actually been a very reasonable bride actually that was a big miss on this season's part is not having an episode for the bachelorette like that would have been so fun but yeah no i feel you even like she could have put those girls in burlap and larvae and she didn't also Clem on the bachelor party. Ho, 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 ho. That would have been so such a good episode. And then you know Spike would have shown up as Somebody Anders. write that fanfic, please. Oh, that would have been so fun. Um, but you know, you're right. She hasn't been over the top. Um, meanwhile, at the bar, Xander's dad has ordered a double jack. And Xander's mother is saying, this is a disaster. Xander's dad says, it's that Anya. I knew it. She made us pay for the whole thing. And now she's going to louse it up women and xander's mom says i offered to help she didn't want my help (laughs) so there's there's that under that undertone of contempt that the mother of the groom is feeling for her future daughter-in-law right like she didn't want to include me in the wedding picture she didn't want to clue me in the planning so typical so the crowd is still waiting. Halfrek is saying to Dahoprin, this thing totally isn't happening. We should have known that she would never ever. And Dahoprin is saying, I'm worried about Anyanka. And Halfrek says, oh, sure, of course you are. And Dahoprin says, oh, Halfrek, you know I love all my demons equally. And that seems to placate her. The cousin is saying, Buffy, you got to do something. <laughs> So Buffy takes it upon herself to go to the front of the of the room, gets on the mic and says, so who is here from out of town? 
and Clem raises his hand. Don is chatting up a teenage demon outside near the doors, and they're comparing their messy their messy families together. And this is totally flirting. And I think this is so funny because it's like a time another time honored tradition of weddings is to put on your wedding goggles and zone in on the person you want to hook up with, right? So the fact that Don is flirting with the Steven is hilarious. I'm very disappointed that we didn't get a scene later on in the episode of Don and this guy making out somewhere and Buffy just like finds them while she's looking for Xander. Just like pulls her away. <laughs> but yeah. Not now, Don. <laughs> We'll talk about it later. It's so funny. So so Buffy is doing charades now. Right? She's like doing like a little bowl with her, <laughs> I'm guessing a bison. Um, and people are like, it's a bull. It's an animal. It's so cute. It's a minotaur. <laughs> it's a minotaur. <laughs> Love you, Buffy. Um, Anya is now like speed walking through the hallway with Tara on her tail. And she's like, this bride waits for no one. If the minister is not here yet, then well, we'll just have to get married without a minister. Buffy and Croven are now juggling um, for the crowd and they're cheering for them and they're actually pretty good at juggling and my, like I, who knew Sarah Michelle Geller had such a talent Don is telling the demon teen that the groom took off and no one can find him and Anya unfortunately passed right at that moment and she's like what Xander's gone Xander's missing what do you mean Xander's missing and she says that loud enough for the guests to hear Uncle Rory is telling the guests that it's just a joke Xander is just playing a joke one time at one of Carol's weddings I had this ape suit and the demon one of the demons says oh great another Harris family joke why don't you have another drink and Xander's dad says drinking is the only only way I can dull the pain of looking at your ugly face and him and the demon get up in each other's faces and the demon says you better think real hard about this Harris and Xander's dad says don't touch me those nasty circus things he swings at him misses and the demon punches him so the crowd all starts fighting it's an all-out brawl and Buffy is watching this from the stage and she rolls her eyes <laughs> so Tara is in the middle of the chaos and Willow's like Tara and saves her she's not looking for Xander at all she's concerned with Tara Anya is amongst the crowd asking if anyone has seen Xander um her cousin uh Xander's cousin says that she saw him go into the trophy room with that guy and she points to the old man who's watching the chaos Anya goes up to this guy and she says you were talking to Xander before he left what did you say to him if you said something to make him leave and he says you'll what haven't have changed a bit, still as vindictive as ever. You don't recognize me, Anya. I'm not the man I used to be. Anya says, Xander, where is he? You, why, you tell me why he left. And the old man is saying, he left because of you. Anya says, I didn't do anything. And the old man says, really? What about this? And he changes into a very tall demon. And the demon says, you did this. You brought this on. I've waited a long time for this on, Yonka. Remember Chicago, Southside, 1914? Stuart Burns, philanderer. You think you would remember. I remember you. But then again, you ruined my life. Anya's like, oh, I punished you. And he says, that's right. Some hussy I had been taken around summoned you. Next thing I know, I look like this and I'm being tortured in another dimension. She says, I forgot. He says, well, I didn't. And he punches her. The demon says, every day I remember and every day I thought I would somehow get here and ruin your life like you ruined mine. It didn't take much either. I scared off your fiance with a couple of phony visions of your future or his nightmare version of your future. And Anya says, that's it? That's all you did? And she's starting to cry. And here is what I was saying back in my rant, Kara, in Once More With Feeling about Anya should be cluing in to the fact that Xander is so not ready to get married. Mm. Right? Like, this is where I think, like, these fears of Xander's that Anya's hearing, like, she's saying, like, that's all you did. All you did was show him a couple of 
false memories or false future memories and he took off it's like it's not really that surprising because he was showing those signs of fear and unsureness for episodes now even since the beginning of the season right he didn't want to tell anybody that they were engaged these were all red flags that you and i kept pointing out and i i'm not saying that this is Anya's fault. I'm not blaming her for for the choices that Xander's making, but it is something I wanted to bring up earlier in the season, and I did, and I'm bringing it up again now that the signs were there, Anya. Right? Like, if it, it shouldn't be that surprising that it took so little for him to get freaked out and bail. Hot steak from Kara. Mm-hmm. I think this revelation that the visions were fake and created by this random. Um, vengeance former human now demon guy undermines the emotional content and the theme of this episode I think this episode would have been stronger if it had actually been a future Xander coming back trying to warn his past self or if the show had managed to set it up in such a way that there was ambiguity right is this a real vision or is this some tra- somebody trying to mess with Xander and Anya but bringing in Stuart Burns, whom we've never heard of before, <laughs> he just happens to find Anya at the right moment to ruin her life through her wedding. It's not only a little bit contrived, but I think it really does undermine the idea that, as you're saying, Steph, there are very legitimate reasons for both Xander and Anya to be having second thoughts. But instead of exploring that in a more full and robust way, the show is like, "Mm, let's just bring in Stuart Burns. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, Stuart Burns is the weakest point of this episode. Do I think that it should have been an actual Xander from the future coming back to warn him? Mm, Not necessarily, but I like what you're saying where perhaps there could have been something else that left it more ambiguous or perhaps... Xander got a glimpse into the future some other way, even if it is his own insecurities that are showing it to him. Like, this is a hellmouth, right? If, if girls can go invisible because they feel invisible, then maybe his insecurities would shine shine in him because he's feeling them, right? Interesting. That's a cool idea. Yeah. So so um, Anya's crying and <laughs> Stuart Burns is like, oh, cry, Anyanka, cry. <laughs> he's This guy has literally been waiting for this moment his whole life. He says, I love to see you cry, and now I'd love to see you scream! And he hits her again, but Buffy shows up and hits him with a full chair. Give him the chair! (laughs) Give him the chair! She rips her dress to allow for easier fighting access. I love it when Buffy does that. Oh, this is the second time she she did that this season. She did that in Flooded as well. Rip that damn dress, Buffy. Good job, Make it better. Make it sluttier. Uh, The demon has a whole... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the demon has a hold of Anya and says, come any closer and I'll kill you. Xander comes in then, right? He, I guess he decided to turn it right around and come back. Um, he's shouting, Anya! And he distracts Stuart Burns long enough for Buffy to start beating on him. And the guests are starting to notice this big fight happening. Anya goes to Xander and says, I'm glad you're, you're here. It was all lies. What he showed you, it was all lies. He just wanted to break us up. And Xander's like, it doesn't matter now. Buffy is fighting this demon. She grabs the veil off of the bison that was on the wall and she's strangling him. And Xander is the one who takes the um, the pillar that's holding up one of the flower vases and he, he smashes his head in with it. And he says, um, it's dead. And Buffy says, yep. And the crowd cheers. Now, Kara, just a little ditty about weddings. So flowers and decor are one of the more expensive 
aspects to a wedding that I don't think a lot of people realize. So if you want like an ex- like a flower vase bouquet display, it's like you're looking at like 300 bucks a pop for those things. So I'm glad mm-hmm. it looks like Xander placed the vase gently on the floor before he took the pillar out. Uh, well, I was going to say, they would pr- they probably lost their deposit on the venue, right? Oh, and I think that's why Xander's dad's so pissed later. <laughs> so anyway, Willow and Tara come over. Willow says, is anyone like anyone else waiting for it to go poof, as in like his body? <laughs> she says, maybe we can cover it with flowers. <laughs> So the guests are coming, are putting um, back together the chairs set up, right? And Xander's dad is saying, look at this damage. I'm not paying for this, you freaks. And Chroma's like, stop calling us freaks. And he starts to fight with him again. And all the fighting is starting up again. Anya shouts, stop it. Everyone sit down. The wedding will go on. So get back in your seats. And the crowd listens to her. And then a, a little bit of time has passed. Things have settled. Anya stands with Xander at the back by the, by the door. And she's like, it's bad luck to see me in my dress. Xander is looking super serious. So she says, hey, it's okay. It's all over now. He's dead. It was all just smoke and mirrors. And Xander's like, I know. Anya smiles, says, okay, well, we're ready now. Let's get married. And Xander's like, I'm not. I'm not ready. I can't, On, I'm sorry. And she's like, but it wasn't real. Like, what he showed you, it wasn't real. And Xander says, I know it wasn't real, but it could be. And Anya says, well, what is it? Like, what was it? Was it me? Because he wanted you to hate me, Xander. And Xander says, it wasn't you. It wasn't you I was hating. I had those thoughts and fears before this. And Anya's crying now. And Xander says, maybe we just went too fast. And I was like, okay, but Xander, like, I do have sympathy for Xander here. But like, you're the one that set the pace by proposing, Xander. Mm-hmm. Anya says, everybody has thoughts. It's natural. It doesn't mean getting married is wrong. You're just shaken up, okay? You just calm down and we'll start over, okay? And Xander watches his dad shout at his mom um, from across the room. And he's like, we can't start over. If this is a mistake, then it's forever. And I don't want to hurt you. Not that way. So he drops her hands and he says, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And this is the first time I noticed Anya's bouquet. All right. And it's like made up of little gems. I thought it was really cute. Uh, probably a very trendy thing at the time. Anya wipes her face. And then I think she's coming to the realization that this is not happening. It's over. And she slowly turns away from him and faces the crowd. Xander watches her walk away. And then he turns and he leaves through the door into the rain. Uh, coward. All right. So 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 again, I sympathize with Xander. But uh, and I and I do think that it makes sense for him to have made this decision. And I, and I will say, like, I do know some people who had this happen to them, maybe not like on the actual wedding day, but like a couple days before the wedding. And it's it's terrible. Sometimes it is the best choice to do it before you involve things legally. Right. Like I, there are a little there are a lot of ways to look at the situation. But I think that timing is terrible here. But more importantly, Xander, you should be the one to stay and face the crowd. This is what makes me angry about this, because I don't think it's up to Anya to now walk in front of everybody and say, we're not getting married when it wasn't her decision to make. Like she wasn't the one championing this choice, (laughs) right? Xander should be the one. Should be Willow. It should, well, it should be Willow as the best man, but Willow hasn't done anything in this episode. In fact, this is all her fault. This should be Xander, all right? But Xander just pieces out. So Anya 
is bleeding from her arm. She goes in front of the, uh, she goes down the aisle. The, the wedding music starts up, right? Like, dun, 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 dun. And the crowd stands for her, but like tears are streaming down her face. She slowly walks down the aisle as the crowd is shuffling uncomfortably. She stops right before she gets, gets to the end of the aisle. She doesn't make it all the way to the end of the aisle, uh, metaphorically and literally. And she just stares down. And, ugh, like this is... This is probably one of the most brutal ways to break up with somebody, if not the most brutal can way. Can you think of a more brutal way? Yes, I can. You can break up with someone at their mother or father's funeral. Like, you can break up with people in a lot of terrible ways. Okay, this, fair. This is pretty brutal. <laughs> this is up there, for sure. What, what if Xander had broken up with Anya at their wedding, but by text? Oh, which I'm sure has happened. Um, wow. Brutal. I, again... It's the timing for me, right? Like, like people, if you're listening and you're gonna planning on getting married one day or you're engaged now, like, do you have to wait to the <laughs> to, to the to the second before you walk down the aisle to make it as dramatic as you possibly can to break up with somebody? No, right? Like, hopefully you can reach these conclusions before it gets that far. No, wait until you've been married for five years and then spring it off. <laughs> Oh, even don't hey, do that. I'm so bad. No, no, no. I, I also, I also have a friend who, um, they went ahead with it. They went ahead, even they know they shouldn't have. And then a couple of months later, oops, I was having an affair, mm-hmm. right? So, so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, it can get really messy out there. Well, I, I think what we're learning from this, and what Xander's learning from this, right, is sometimes you can't avoid hurting people that you love. And the question just becomes, how do you reduce the amount of harm? He clearly thinks he's reducing that harm right now by hurting Anya now, because he's worried he's going to do it more in the future. But I also think that part of the problem is the way, it's the fucked up way that our society talks to people about marriage. You know, he's like, well, we have to do, you know, it's now or never. Like, if I marry you, it's forever. Divorce is a thing right now, Xander. You know, if you discover that this isn't for you. Yeah, I I, I know that we talk about marriage as if it has to be this forever thing. You found your person, you make your vows, you love them until death, that whole thing. I get it. But at the end of the day, our society would be a lot healthier if we could look at marriage as these two people want to walk together for a little bit, maybe for the rest of their lives. We'll find out. (laughs) But if at some point in the future, they discover that they don't want to walk together anymore, that's okay. That's cool. No harm, no foul. The fact that we're still very wedded, pun intended, to matrimony as a way of shackling people together, um, because, you know, we got to control women. Um, Yay, patriarchy. It's harmful. It's harmful to women. It's harmful to men. Because it really enforces this idea that, you know, you have to be certain, you have to be 100% certain that this is the person you're going to spend the whole rest of your life with. They're barely into their 20s, right? Like, so I I have a lot of sympathy here for Anya and also for Xander. There was no right decision here. Even if they'd gone through with the wedding, yeah, that doesn't guarantee a happy future. All that guarantees is a happy day, which, and maybe that would have been enough, and maybe mm-hmm. they get divorced down the line. Mm-hmm. But I also really do under- understand Xander's, you know, what he's doing here. I understand that. And like you said, like 
you know, signing your marriage license is a big deal. Um, you know, you are legally wet at that point, and it is more challenging and more expensive to extricate yourself from that if you decide you want to do that. So, but you still it's can, tough. right? You still could, and that's like oh, absolutely. He's acting like the options aren't there, but they are. But then again, you just mentioned it. You touched on it here, Kara, that they're young. They're they're in their early 20s. Things seem a lot more like life and death when you're younger like that. So, so I'm not surprised that Xander is still having these issues of insecurity, these issues of um, his future, his worry about what his future is going to be like, because he's still so young and his brain isn't fully developed yet. So I think it's pretty common for people in their late teens, early 20s, even mid 20s to be with somebody who they truly believe is their person. Now that's going to be who they're going to be with for the rest of their lives. It takes a little bit more life experience, a little bit more growing up before you realize that that's not the case, that that actually changes. So so again, timing is off here, uh, especially since all season, all 16 episodes, you and I were saying, wow, they are so not ready to get married and they're still not talking about it. I'm not surprised that it blew up in everybody's face in this episode, but um, I think it's pretty realistic. It's pretty realistic for 21, 22-year-olds to Mm -hmm. feel the way that they're feeling in this episode. It's believable. Buffy, Don, and Willow are in the Summer's living room. Uh, They've changed their clothes. What time is it? Who knows? It's never important to the Buffyverse. Um, Don's asking if they can do something for her, for Anya. Willow says Anya wants to be alone. She says, it hurts my heart to think of her. And Buffy says, I know. The whole thing hurts my heart. Don says, I thought they were happy. Buffy says, they were. I know they were. They were supposed to be my light at the end of the tunnel. I guess they were a train. Which is a funny line. But again, we've talked about this, Buffy. You don't have to be married to be happy. Uh, Don asks why this happened. And Willow says, I don't know. I feel like I should be hating Xander. But I can't. I just, I just hope he's okay. And Don says, I wonder where he is. Because, you know, I could understand Xander not wanting to go back to his place with all of his family there. And if Anya's there, you know, that would be really awkward. Um, But he doesn't go back to the Summer's residence either. You know, you think he could maybe sleep there that night? No, we cut to Xander checking into a motel room. Uh, He's still in his tuxedo. Uh, you know, the, the manager's giving him the rate and telling him checkouts at 11 the next morning. And, you know, that's the last we see of Xander in this episode. And I will add one more time. This is your fault, Willow. <laughs> if you had been on by Xander's side this entire time, he never would have talked to that old man. If Willow had been in that room talking to that old man, she'd be like, what's your source? Right? Like, like give me the proof. So... We cut to Anya, who is in a black room. DeHoffrin hands her a handkerchief, and he paces around her. He's saying, are you okay? Anya sniffles. She says, I'm tired of crying. I'm just so tired, DeHoffrin. DeHoffrin says, oh, Anyanka, I'm sorry, but you let him domesticate you. When you were a vengeance demon, you were powerful. At the top of your game, you crushed men like him. It's time you got back to what you do best, don't you think? And Anya just looks at him. Cut to black. Uh, I might remind you, DeHoffrin that you were the one who fired her from being a vengeance demon and then said that she had to go live her life as a mortal and then die. <laughs> so for him to be like, you know, you domesticated yourself, you lowered yourself. It's like, well, duh. Like, that's what, that's what she's supposed to do. 
Yeah. So in the past, for people who haven't listened to the entire Prophecy Girls run yet, I assume you're going to go back and do that eventually. Um, we have praised De Hoffren, right? He's been our, our feminist, our, uh, you know, woke feminist demon boss, right? Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like my allegiance is turning here on De Hoffren. You know, it, it's nice that he is trying to comfort Anya in, in the best way he can. He's come to her in, his, in her time of need. I don't know where she is. <laughs> did she purposefully find a black room? Has she been summoned into his dimension like he did with Willow? Yeah, Will- I, I think Will- Will- he's in the same spot that Willow was when she talked to him. Right. but So he's clearly trying to take care of her in the way that he knows how. But I could also see the argument being made that he is taking advantage of Anya, right? He comes yeah. to women at their lowest points and recruits them for his own sick vengeance, you know, escapades. And that is the role of an abuser, right? It's somebody who, you know, takes advantage of your weaknesses or your fears or, you know, just generally cuts you off and isolates you from your friends and family, which is what he did to her the first time and what he's doing to her now. So as much as I've praised to Hoffman in the past, because it's been fun to do that, I, I just want to acknowledge since we are in the midst of a very serious season long arc from multiple characters about abuse and boundaries and relationships. And vulnerability. Um, yeah, DeHoffren's not modeling a healthy workplace environment. <laughs> Oops, our bad. Uh, that is the joys of watching, of rewatching a show with no spoilers. Turn, turns out Me Too came for DeHoffren as well. <laughs> It was only a matter of time, honestly. We thought he was one of the good ones. Turns out he's not. <laughs> That's what's so fun about rewatching a show without looking ahead. Is because I for- I <laughs> forgot that this kind of thing happened. But he's like a demon lord, of course, of course. So yeah. I'm I'm curious to see what Anya said to this. Uh, I guess we'll find out in the future. Who's your hero? This is a little bit uh, un- unconventional of me, Steph. Yeah. My hero is Giles. <laughs> for staying the hell away. Yes, exactly. You notice, so he didn't come to the wedding. I understand. Flying across the world to go to, you know, the wedding. Were they that close? I don't know. I I understand not being able to come to the wedding. But there's zero mention of Giles. There's no, he phoned them to congratulate them. Sent a gift There's no mention that he got them a gift. There's no card. Like, a, they haven't mentioned Giles in a while. They basically decided he doesn't exist. Maybe he's cut them off. Maybe he's never <laughs> he's like, phoned grow them. up. <laughs> he just never right? takes their so, calls. Yeah. Shout out to Daddy Giles for recognizing the mess, the train wreck that they were all heading towards in this season and just noping the fuck out and just being like, you're all very messy and I'm not going to be here for this. <laughs> hot steak from Steph. Remember back in Tabula Rasa when him, when Anya and Giles shared a very passionate kiss and you and I and Lily made a joke, but were we joking that Giles had to leave because the kiss was so good that he just, he's like, he just, I can't be here. I can't get involved with Anya. It's too messy with Xander still involved. It's too much. I like it. It was too good. So I think he definitely can't come to the wedding because he's like, how can I watch my perfect match get married to this idiot (laughs) i can't so that's why he didn't show up who was your hero my hero is 
Buffy. Uh, she was number one bridesmaid here. She pulled her weight. Yeah. She pulled Willow's weight. She did it all. Um, she was the hardest working one, plus Dawn. So good for Buffy. Yeah, so like I said, I liked this episode. However, what I would have changed about it is I actually would have had them go through with the wedding. <laughs> because the thing is, we keep saying like the past seven, eight episodes have been so bleak and so dark. Right. And I get it. That's what the season is trying to do. Everyone, it gets broken down. Everybody is having a terrible time this season. And now it's Anya and Xander's turn. I get it. And I think that's why a lot of people defend season six. They're like, sometimes life gets sick because it's bleak. But it's not just about life, okay? This is also a television series that I invest time into. So <laughs> there's seriously not enough light in this season, particularly in the last cluster of episodes. Like, we need more balance. And I do think that the darkness of this season serves a purpose overall, right? And we're going to continue seeing it as as the season goes on. But you got to give us something, right? Like, give us something. Like, the beginning of this, of this wedding episode had promise, right? Buffy's in a better mood. We have some wedding shenanigans, sure. But... Ultimately, we're left really sad. We feel bad for Anya. We feel bad for Xander. I just wish that we could see some of these characters get a win. And again, I get the season. That's not the point of the season. The point of the season is that everyone loses. But I just, I would have had them go through the wedding and have them deal with their issues in a different episode. Or at least give us a fun bachelorette bachelor episode <laughs> in the middle, right? We need, I need some light amongst all of this darkness. I hear what you're saying. Um, and I'm very sympathetic to it. I do agree. I think that, you know, and, and I think I've commented on this in the past on the pod, but I don't like the current media landscape where shows are so grim dark, right? Like, there's a reason I haven't watched The Last of Us. It's not that I, I don't think it would be a good show to watch. But like you said, I would like my shows to have a little bit of a dose of hope uh, or, or more specifically because I guess humanity surviving a, an apocalypse is hopeful. But like, I, I like my shows to have more humor. I don't always need that existential threat. And so I agree with you. This is a little bit of a, a change in tone for Buffy, um, especially considering earlier seasons. You know, I, I miss high school Buffy. Mm. I always talk about how like, oh, you know, season five might be my favorite season. And then I always change my mind. And I'm like, no, season two, season three. You know, I remember saying that way back at the intro episode. And it's true. And the reason why I always go back to those earlier seasons is for exactly the reason you're talking about. The The mood is just a little lighter, even when serious stuff like your boyfriend losing his soul uh, happens. <laughs> um, I will say... This episode might be a turning point for the series for the reasons that you're saying, right? This is the episode where Buffy, the series, has to decide, can our characters ever be happy? You know, will we ever give our characters a shot at happiness? Uh, and, and this is the moment where the show goes, no. <laughs> you know no, what? No. None of our characters nah. will ever be happy. Um, <laughs> and they're like, you have been warned. Stephanie Chow, you have been warned. Um, and I'm very curious to see what happens from here on out and how we feel about it. Yeah. Well, here we go. I mean, we're, we're in it, Cara. We're buckle up. It's going to be the, well, we have this, the rest this of the This is a go. very classic Joss Whedon thing, right? Like, you know, if we do get to Angel, again, no spoilers, but he really doesn't want any of his characters in Angel to be happy either. 
And it's interesting how in Firefly, that's still the case. It changes a little bit in Serenity, but also maybe not. Those of you who've watched that movie, you know what I mean. Dollhouse is just completely fucked up. We don't even have to talk about that. Yeah, like, I know it's a bit of a truism for some of these creators to just not want their characters to be happy. But, it, you know, it all, it really starts here for Joss Whedon just, with Buffy. It doesn't have to be all at once. Joss, like, can it not just be spread out a bit more? Yeah, it's it's an infantile conception of conflict, though, right? If your idea of conflict in a person's life is while they can't be in a happy, stable relationship, that says a lot more about you than it does say about the characters mm. you're creating. Burn. <laughs> that was a hot burn, and we've got some hot steaks to to sizzle it out with. I love I love it when I can just make you pause for a moment because you're really appreciating what I'm saying. Yeah, just, mm, nice, nice. <laughs> Delicious. Mm, Delicious. Right. Yum. Our first hot steak is from Sarah. Uh, this is a different Sarah from last week. We have many Sarahs writing in. We appreciate all of we you. We love you, Sarahs. <laughs> Both Xander and Buffy really want to make it work. Uh, they're talking about Xander and Buffy's uh, relationships in this season, not Xander and Buffy being in a relationship. Uh, so... Both Xander and Buffy really want to make it work, really want to fit in with this narrative. In season six, both seem to realize that normal doesn't do it for them. Xander being scared by the prospect of getting rushed into something but feeling the societal pressure, and I suppose even more so in the US, question mark, um, of marrying your long-term partner, doing what's supposed to be the way, uh, him only realizing that it's not for him being able to pinpoint his exact emotions is not mean or negative in any way. Deconstructing these all-encompassing norms for oneself takes time. Yeah, he proposed in hopes of this step making him happy, uh, how it's supposed to be, but it doesn't. And it's also okay that he's reconsidering and actually accepting and partly showing his negative emotions. From personal experience, I can say that it's really hard accepting the fact that normal might not be working for you and coming to terms with it. So yeah, I mean, we, we, we covered that somewhat in this episode and we, we've kind of talked about this as I keep saying, and I, I hope I can stop saying it now that we've reached the wedding. I'm really sad that we didn't see more of Anya and Xander in this season since about tabula rasa that wasn't them planning the wedding so because i agree with you sarah but i don't think the show has done a good job of showing that to us yeah i like this point because it's for sure like perhaps that normal xander's not ready for it yet it's not something that fits in his life just yet but you notice that anya wanted the normal so bad that she ignored all of the red flags that were leading up to the wedding Thanks, Sarah. Our next one is from Courtney, who writes in about the episode Gone and Consent. She says, during the super uncomfortable invisible sex scene, Buffy violated Spike's consent. As you both said before, consent is ongoing and can be taken away at any time. Spike changed his mind. He said, get your clothes and leave. And then Buffy put his genitals in her mouth, presumably. And even though the scene is played as a joke with his comment about that being cheating it's more serious than that how many boys and men have been told that they weren't assaulted or that they should be grateful because a pretty girl or someone they liked touched them regardless of it if it was wanted in the moment buffy is hurting that isn't an excuse to hurt someone else as well yeah courtney good good point um i i thought that car i thought that you and i had 
discussed this when we were doing the episode, but I, I think we missed it or we moved on yeah, too quickly or something. I, I thought we talked about it too. I certainly <laughs> was going to talk about it. Um, but Courtney's not the only one who pointed this out. I think there were a couple of people on the Discord who mentioned it. I think there were some people on Instagram. Um, so great. Like We really appreciate that you are all on the ball about spotting these things uh, and, and helping us fill in the gaps because we can never be comprehensive. Uh, my excuse is just that was a very uncomfortable invisible sex scene and i think <laughs> you and i really got carried away talking about things um you know and very important questions that we need to answer <laughs> like whether or not spike's dick disappears inside <laughs> buffy well that's that's why we have our hot steak section that's why we have discord that's why we right. have social because we've said it before we're not going to catch everything and sometimes our conversations just go down one road I example invisible dick or not if we go down one path when we had in every intention of hitting other paths <laughs> on the way and sometimes our convos just don't do it so we appreciate people like you courtney writing in and filling in the gaps where we miss yes because you are all absolutely correct. Uh, and we totally want to call out, you know, people who aren't men when it comes to consent, um, as well as men like Spike. And and yeah, like this, it's, it's an important thing to talk about is the ways in which, you know, our inability to talk about consent uh, in a mature way, in a nuanced way, uh, can cause problems for boys and men in our society as well. And it's such a theme this season, consent, right? It just adds to it. Yeah. Our final hot stake tonight from Josefina is talking about uh, Once More with Feeling. She says, in the song, Where Do We Go From Here? That's Steph's favorite song. Where do song. we go from here? Thank you. <laughs> uh, Josefina says, there's the line, understand we go hand in hand, but we walk alone in fear. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I think this phrasing is very interesting. If it had been the opposite... We walk alone in fear, but still we go hand in hand. Then it would have been more positive and focused on their friendship and support of each other's chosen family. But as it's written, understand we go hand in hand, but we walk alone in fear. Tell me. This shows that despite the fact <laughs> they all love and support each other, they all still feel like they are ultimately alone and like the others cannot fully understand them. Buffy and Willow may be the ones struggling the most right now, but all of them are having a very hard time this season, especially emotionally and mental health-wise. Especially now, after a runaway bride, runaway groom situation. Thanks, Josefina. Uh, so thank you to all of our Buy Me A Coffee supporters, uh, especially we've got some new chosen ones to thank. Thank you so much, Jasmine and Rochelle. Yay! Uh, as well as all of our other chosen ones, Lizzie, Holly, Kayla, Jordan, Julian, Nicola, Luis, Joshua, Reese, and Susanna. Emma, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, Haley, Tasha, Ricky, and Amy. And yep, shout out to you, Jasmine and Rochelle. Thanks so much. We will see everybody next week. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. Also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca, where you can find the link to our Discord. Can't wait to hear from you. Praise Malik. See you next week.